bless up, bless up, bless up. It's your girl, Convict the Guy, a.k.a. Dev G. And tonight, it's going to be a little different than the usual. One thing for certain is I'm going to try to cuss less because it's a, it's a point and a purpose that I need to drive home. And I really need for people to understand it here. I ain't saying I ain't going to be cussing at all, but, you know, some things you have to just have patience with. Hence the fact that that cold train playing in the background just, it helps me stay focused and p- puts me exactly where I need to be. So let's just go ahead and get right to this and make sense of everything, right? So I've been hearing and I've been asked multiple times, you know, what do you think of the whole little Bow Wow situation, right? Like what, what's, what's, what's your opinion about it? You know, Bow Wow's put in a position where he was damned if he do, damned if he don't. If he fought back, he's a woman beater. He's a disgrace. How could he? You know, no woman deserves to be treated that way. What's wrong? Who's raising these men? Why would a man ever raise his hand to a woman? The flip side of the coin. And this is the very sad thing. And I equate this to being raped. Bow Wow is now being raped by the public and even worse, the black community, because you're victim shaming. He was the victim in this crime perpetrated against him by a woman. And because he chose to be a man And he did a noble thing of not putting his hands on her or retaliating against her, of which he knew that he could have caused serious damage or harm to her person. He instead took an ass whooping to now be called everything under the sun, all types of bitch niggas and punks and pussy ass niggas and laughed at, made a mockery of because he didn't fight a woman. That hurts. And that's one of those things that cut deeply. And it's sad to see. So she gets to walk around here with her chest puffed out like she's some type of badass because a man refused to fight back. But now if this was him kicking off into her ass and she was too weak to fight back or she couldn't fight back or she chose not to fight back, then he's a fucked up person. So why is she not being shamed? Why is she not being ridiculed? Why is she not being drugged through the streets as you would have if it was him? How does she make out clean in this? Why in the fuck was he even arrested when it was obvious who the attacker was? Anything that he did was self-defense. And that's just the outside looking in. I wasn't there. Can't say he probably, I can't say he didn't do anything. I can't say he didn't slap her. I can't say he didn't push her. I can't say that he didn't initiate or take the first swing. Can't say any of those things. But just from what has been placed in front of us, I'm willing to say safely that he was not the aggressor in this situation. I just feel comfortable in saying it. If I'm wrong, I will, I'll eat those words. I'll be woman enough to speak on those words just as strongly and adamantly as I speak these words today. This leads into another conversation and it kind of goes back to a subject that I kind of touched on once already in regards to being protected. A friend made a Facebook post or a Facebook friend made a post. And the post 
was a very serious one. And of course, as always with, you know, social media, anything serious doesn't get a response. The post was asked, black women, do you feel protected by black men? And I'm going to speak for a second, simply for myself and from myself. No. As a black woman, I do not feel protected by black men. I feel as though it's pretty sad that I have to watch them just as hard as I do any other race. And sometimes even more so. And that is a direct quote made by myself which is a direct reflection of how it is that I feel. I was victimized by a black man. This black man happened to be a family member. And I was all of eight or nine years old. My father had just been buried a year or two prior to this all taking place. And I don't know how or where I could even muster up the courage or the nerve to even begin with this. But I'm going to put it on the table. I'm going to share my story. I am. I can remember so many times listening and hearing my grandmother cussing him out and talking cash shit to him about the hickeys that was all over his neck. And she would blame the girls in the, in the neighborhood. And I can remember hiding because what if she found out or if it slipped that those weren't coming from the girls in the neighborhood. Well, backdrop. I was, I was a very troubled child. I mean, if your dad committed suicide, you would be too, right? And then, you know, abandoned by your mom simultaneously, you'd be pretty fucked up too. So I did a lot of shit. I did shit that I had no business doing. I lashed out. I acted out. But my behaviors became way worse as I was being molested. But those were not the things that were being looked at. Um, so much so that when the truth came to light, nothing was done. I was punished. So this cousin... You know, would never say anything, but I just felt as though any day would be the day. Um, I didn't understand why he didn't tell or didn't say until I was old enough to understand what the fuck it was that was happening or being done to me. So because I stayed in so much trouble and I already did so much shit, I was the perfect target in that household because one, who would believe me? And two, he could just lie and make it up to be about something else. And then now I'm standing there trying to prove this adult who everybody's going to believe anyway. According to my version of events. He used to tell me, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, I'll go tell grandma, this is what you tried to do to me. And I had to put you in your place. I'll tell her that you around here being fast and that you're doing this or you're doing that. That had nothing to do with anything. Things that I've never done. Um, Shit that I've never even heard of. Like just random dumb shit around the house. Like I broke something or, you know, I took something or I had something of his or He found his shit in my room. Like, I was literally blackmailed. I 
thought this would be easier. I did. So, it eventually escalated. From putting hickeys on his neck to sexual favors. And it was, you know, this is what you're going to do. And you're not going to stop until I tell you to. And I remember one time he was almost caught by my aunt. And it was, it was, it was so almost a relief because I just knew then it was, I didn't care if I got in trouble because you're hiding me in the closet because you thought someone was going to catch you. Let me know that what was being done to me wasn't right. So when he almost got caught, it stopped for a while. And I was like, okay. Okay. But I guess by this time, my behavior had escalated a little too much and I was showing my ass at school a little too much and it was becoming a problem so now I have to go to therapy and in this therapy you know you have to talk about shit and they eventually pulled out these little stupid ass wooden dolls that you basically like kind of laced up, but that's how you put the clothes on. You laced the clothes or the outfits on top of the little wooden dolls and you laced the hair and the whole nine. And I remember um, going to this doctor um, and having been in a room with them and I didn't want to talk to them. I did not want to be there. So the first time I got in trouble once I got home because I just acted like an asshole and acted like I was hungry. I will never forget this. Like I act like I was just so hungry that I couldn't think I couldn't talk. And I laid my head down and just cried until I fell asleep. Cause I honestly, I just didn't want to be there. So needless to say, I go home, I get my ass whooped and now it's, I have to go back there the next week. So this time I get the prep talker. You bet not show your motherfucking ass or act like ain't nobody feeding you and all this other bullshit that you come up with. And, um, this is to help you. Okay, lady, if you say so. So I go in this hospital, um, it was Larbita's, Larbita, it's La Rabita Children's Hospital, some shit similar to that in Chicago, and I go there, and we go to this little children's part, like this psychiatric shit, I don't know what the fuck to call it, and now I'm like in this playroom, and the therapist that I'm sitting there talking to, we're talking, and... I don't know what I did. I don't know what I said, honestly, that made her question if I had been touched inappropriately. Um, but I wouldn't talk about it. Session ends. This time, I guess she said that I, I played fair. I played nice. And that she felt as though she was making segue, I guess, because I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get an ass open when I got home. And later that week, unfortunately, um, when I thought I was safe, 
he came back with the bullshit and he penetrated me and I couldn't tell you how destroyed my life was in that moment. Everything. Everything was taken from me. Whatever I had left of life was taken in that moment. I um, tried to go about my life as with head down. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want anybody to say anything to me. I just, I didn't want to exist anymore. I remember her, my grandmother calling me, asking me why was there blood in my underwear? And I kept saying, I don't know. Those were mine. That I, it wasn't me. I, and she was asking me about a period and had I started a period. And I was clueless as to what the fuck that was. And she just kept saying, I know what blood is. And I know what blood looks like. And so she ended up, I'll never forget this. She ended up blaming my older cousins. Who would sneak in and out the house and all types of shit. Because they, you know, in the streets. And said that they were squeezing into our underwear. And I'll never forget. My cousin snapped. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, how did, can't nobody squeeze into no little ass girl panties? Fuck is you even talking about? Like, you crazy for real. And I was just hoping that just, just every, just, I just wanted everything to stop. I think this is where it all began for me to just go to sleep. If I go to sleep, it'll all be over. I can just go lay down and all this is going to disappear. And I don't have to hear it. I don't have to be a part of it. I can just escape this portion of reality. So that's what I did. And then, you know, next week's up. Time to go back to therapy. And I, this time, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I was touched. Yes. When the bitch came back with the, the basically the same line of questioning and constantly trying to, you know, poke and pry, I, this time, I told it. That was the biggest mistake of my life. The way I was cussed out and the way I was talked about, the way I was treated. No kid, no kid deserves that. And this is where I live. These are the people that are supposed to protect me. This is where I'm supposed to feel safe. So on the ride home, she kept questioning me, kept questioning me, like just would not let up in the midst, intermittently cussing me the fuck out though. And finally I told her, I was like, I told her, who did this to me? But see, the fucked up part about it is, is that this person happened to be her pick. He happened to be one of her favorites. So, I was 
all types of lying as little bitches. And how dare I? I must be covering for one of my mama's boyfriends or one of the motherfuckers in the house that my mama was at. It ain't no fucking way. And when I wouldn't change my story, I got the ass whooping of my life. I was taken out of that I was never taken back there for therapy again and my behavior of course got worse my grades now are terrible we're talking about a kid that was an honor roll student that just was like fuck it D's F's whatever the fuck you know whatever you got you got if I felt like showing up to school and doing something, I did it. If I didn't, oh well, fuck it. It came to a point that I'd already learned to just accept consequences. It didn't matter. You're going to beat my ass, right? Whatever. It'll hurt and I'll get over it. At that point, I never cared about a consequence again. Because at the end of the day, you wasn't going to kill me. You wasn't going to stop me from breathing. So it's, I'll endure this. And it'll be over. No one helped me. And of course she told the story the way she wanted it to be told and everybody looked at me weird and looked at me funny and treated me fucked up I was in a household where I was literally mentally physically emotionally and sexually abused on a regular basis I was never met with hugs and kisses and being told that I was intelligent or that I was beautiful. Even when my dad family tried to reach out, I was, it was always a reason why I couldn't go with them. I was always on punishment. It was always a problem. It wasn't because it was actually like, oh no, she's sick or, you know, it's something serious going on with her. It was always some bullshit ass story. Like, I remember it was like the year, it was the year or two after my dad had died and it was Christmas and I remember um, my dad's family really showed up that year. My, my, my great grandma and my grandma came. And it was the first time I ever met my little brother. I didn't even know I had a little brother. And I met him. And we just sat and looked at each other forever like, the fuck? Like, we look just alike. (laughs) And I recall hearing them ask if they could take me for for the rest of the Christmas break. And... It was no, I couldn't go. Um, My godmother showed up that year and she had bought me some clothes that, for Christmas. So the toys and the clothes that my grandma, my great grandma, well, my great grandma was a Jehovah's Witness. She didn't celebrate holidays. So it was the things that my grandma had got for me. And the things that my godmother got for me. When they left, she took the gifts and put them in her closet and wouldn't let me wear them, wouldn't let me have them because my aunt, who was also a drug addict, her daughter was there. 
And because they didn't bring anything for her, how dare they bring something for me? That was a constant in my life. If anybody tried to do something for me and not for her, then I got nothing. Meanwhile, my grandmother did everything for her and nothing for me. See, people don't understand why I hate bullies. When you've been bullied your whole life, it's just some shit you don't accept when you know how to fight back. This was a regular occurrence. And so I think it was like fifth grade. So that was second, third, fourth grade. Those years I had to deal with that. I believe I was in like um, third grade, second or third grade. When the whole shit popped off with the therapists and all this shit. And it was at least a year, year and a half later. Before I got put back into... Oh, okay. So, I was at school. And it was this girl at my school. Who... Was... She was... She was bullied like I was bullied. But for some reason, this day, excuse me, this bitch was with the cool kids because I guess it was feel sorry day or some shit. I don't know. And she thought she was going to bring her bullshit my way. And I tore off into her ass. I beat the fuck out of her. So, of course, I get suspended from school. With the suspension now, it's, you know, all this other shit. She has anger management. You know, these are her behaviors. She's been acting out this way. You know, not completing assignments. And the motherfuckers just told it all. So now I have to go back to counseling. Because this is part of, you know, gotta make it appear like you really care. But the one thing I learned the first go-round with therapy... Is you don't tell the truth. Because the truth. Is going to get you fucked up. The truth is going to get your ass beat. The truth is going to get you disrespected. So I sat there. And I bullshitted that lady for hours. Every day after school. She would. Not every day. But on the days that she would pick me up from school. And take me to her office. And we would sit in color. We would sit and talk about random shit. Like, I don't know. But I think at some point she got tired of trying. Because she she realized at some point that she was just being manipulated. That I wasn't giving up any information. That my behavior wasn't changing. That I was going through the motions. And therapy just kind of stopped one day. And... Through all of this, I had an aunt who who I admired. I looked up to her. And it was at this point that she intervened. I guess they finally paid attention or finally seen what was going on and the differences that was being made in the house. And my auntie used to come pick me up and take me to her house and go over there and, you know, be a kid. I got to be a kid. I could hang out with my cousins. And we were all like right there, same age, within the same year or two. And the neighborhood was full of kids. so And it was always just us, except for the babies as they came along. They got, you know, 
pushed in there with us. Y'all big enough to watch them, so look out for these kids type shit. But it was the only time that I was away from that house and I was allowed to just breathe. Somewhere in that time frame, my mom decided, you know, my stepdad left and went to Kansas. You know, he decided or had the opportunity to clean his life up. So that's what he did. And this is before he and my mom was married. So, you know, it was, I'm going to go first and get my shit together, get a job, and then I'm going to send for you. And I guess, you know, 30 days later or whatever, however long he was gone, I'm not sure because I wasn't in on this part of the equation. All I know was one day my mom came to me and told me she was leaving. There have been times that I had seen my mom a few in between and and during these years, you know, random pop-ups here, there, whatever. Um, She told me she was leaving and that she was going to Wichita, Kansas. And... All I knew is at that moment, I wanted to go. Like, I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go to, like, just take me with you. Like, just take me. Like, it's my heart. I'm your kid. Instead, she signed over her rights. <laughs> and they adopted me. Um, I ended up in Kansas because I literally showed my ass. I would... I tried to find it on the map because I was trying to plan to run away. Like I was getting the fuck up out of there one way or another. Come hell or high water. I was getting the fuck out of that equation. God damn it. I was going to rescue my motherfucking self. And they, um, I kept getting into fights at school. I kept getting into trouble. I got, so I ended up in counseling sixth, seventh, I mean, fifth grade, sixth grade. I went to a Catholic school. I got kicked out of that motherfucker because some little stupid ass dude named Dirty John, or at least that's what they called the nigga. I don't know why he wanted to fuck with me that day. And this was a big, he was a big nigga, like not big, like fat, but that motherfucker was tall as shit compared to me. But I beat the fuck out of him out after school one day. And what was even funnier about it is because it was some little stupid ass chick. And I never forget her name was Javon. And Javon thought like she was Miss Thick. Like could nobody tell her shit. She, you know, thought she was the flyest of the fly. And the bitch picked on me on a constant basis. And I was just on some. I was thinking at first, like, if I just be good, I can go with my mama. Like, I can get the fuck out of this because now I believe my mama and I trusted my mama that she was going to get clean and she was going to come get me. So I'm going to just be good so I can get to my mama. And I was tormented every day in this motherfucking Catholic school. Like, every day. The shit was crazy. And I eventually was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Bruh, I, 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 it was, I had taking all that I could take and dude came at me and this motherfucker poured a milk on me at lunch. And like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but I fucked him up and I was kicked out of the school. I could not return. It was, we don't want y'all money. (laughs) Fuck y'all and this little girl. Y'all, y'all take her some of her wells. We don't want her here no more. She not welcome. It happened to be what it was. So then after that, I went to a different school, to a public school. And at this public school, I stayed doing some shit and they tried all types of shit. Like they still, it didn't matter what school I went to. They kept making me like giving me these parts in the school plays, school announcements. You have a voice. You have a great ability to remember things like you have a natural ability. You can speak. You have a presence. Like this is the shit that I was being told as a kid. Part of the eighth grade graduation. I I was there. I gave their speech. I'm on the stage by myself. Um, I Like I said, that Langston Hughes mother, the son poem that I did a 
couple episodes back. That was because of one of those adventures. Like, it was what it was when it came to certain shit about school. Because it was my escape. It was my, it was my way out of my reality. So when it came to assemblies and shit like that, or if I knew an assembly was coming up, I knew I was on my best behavior because those are the types of things that I wanted to do. I always loved acting. Like, I loved being able to to memorize and do the school plays and shit like that. I loved it. So it was... Um, seventh grade, eighth grade field trip, right? Because that's what we do in Chicago. We have an eighth grade, well, seventh grade, eighth grade trip. And I had earned the ability to participate in the field trip. I wore my uniform every day. Yeah, boy. And I could go. So, uh, my, uh, my grandma signed the permission slip, permission slip and all of this shit. And she knew my trip was coming. Cause this is, I'm gas. That's all I'm talking about. Like, I can't wait to go on this field trip. And then like the night before the field trip, she wasn't like trying to make me a lunch or do nothing. So, um, I told my big cousin, I was like, bear, like, I need the money for my field trip. And my cousin was the guy. <laughs> he was that guy when I was a kid, like that nigga, he was that nigga. He was like, don't worry about it, I got you. Hey, make a run to the Mexican store for me and tell him I sent you. He gonna just wear your backpack when you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had no idea. I did what I was told when I got back with his steak burrito. Two steak burritos and a piece of puffin. All of that extra shit that I had to get. When I got back to the crib from going to the store for him, he gave me the money to go on my field trip with to make sure that I had spending money on the trip. And he was, of course, I couldn't tell nobody because he ain't supposed to have no money. You know what I'm saying? At least not like that. So it was, it was his way of looking out for me. So I, um, so I'm still gassed up about it. It then got to be about seven, eight o'clock ish. And my grandma called me in the kitchen like, so, um, what you taking on this field trip for lunch? Cause you ain't said shit all day. You got some money or something. And I'm like, nah, I was just going, um, I was just going to ask in the morning. And she was like, ain't nobody finna give you no money. You can make a lunch like any normal last kid. Like, first of all, our trip is to Great America. Six Flags, Great America. Ain't nobody taking no motherfucking lunch to Great America. Everybody else, mammies, is giving them money to go on this field trip with. You know what I mean? Like, be fucking for real. So she whole, whole time playing me, right? You gonna um, take your ass here and gave me like a book of food stamps that was like, you need to go over there on Colfax or over there to George's Nim and go get some shit to make a sandwich with a juice and snacks. Like you need to pack a lunch for this field trip. So now I'm big mad, y'all. Like, I'm heated. Because it's just like, the fuck, my nigga? Like, why I always got to get treated this way? So I'm like, okay. It is what it is. Okay. And this was like in March, April, some shit like that. Like, right after spring break. But school didn't get out till like June. Middle to end of June in Chicago. Like, this wasn't no today type shit well I don't know what schools do that today but yeah so alright back you know I go walk around the corner to the store and get the shit for the store get home get my lunch packed and then I don't know where the fuck it came from I don't know why 
But she came in the kitchen and was like, matter of fact, you ain't going no motherfucking where. Fuck that field trip. You gonna keep your, you ain't going. So, uh, my grades is 100. I'm passing all my shit. I'm, my shit is, you know, I'm Gucci. No, it's a, it's a little variety, but I ain't no D's or F's in this motherfucker. You feel me? I done wore my uniform every day. So I did everything that the teacher asked of me. And now you telling me I can't go. Okay. And my bad. It wasn't even the night before the trip. It was like two days before the trip. But I think, and this is what's fucked up about it, is because I think she had her days confused. Because what happened, I went to school the next day and showed my natural black ass. When I tell you, it wasn't shit nobody could say or do with me that day. My teacher said, must have tried that. Oh, she going to snap off and try to raise her voice, discipline. Because Chicago teachers would disrespect your whole soul. At least when I was little. Them motherfuckers would try to belittle you to motherfucking annihilation type shit. Like, them the bitches that'll be calling out stupid shit about your grades and how you ain't doing shit. And if your smart mouth ass was... Like, them was some ignorant ass teachers we had for real. And the bitch called herself trying to give me that play. And I gave her every bit of all of what she was looking for. I ain't hold shit back. And I was like, I don't give a fuck who you call. Call them. What they gonna do? Beat my ass? And then what? Send me back here? And watch what I do when I get back. That motherfucking teacher looked at me, yo, and was like... Get the fuck out of my classroom right now. She put me out. So I had to go to a different teacher's classroom. And when I went in that classroom, that bitch must have said something. And I snapped on her too. So then I eventually ended up in the office. Waiting for them to come pick me up from school. So she gets to the school. We go back to my classroom and then there's, you know, the teacher telling her whoop de whoop de whoop blah, blah, blah. So then she just looking at me the whole time. And I'm sitting there like, and? Because now I, I literally, I gave no fuck. And we, on the way, walking down the stairs, she asked me something. And that's when I told her. I was like, I don't care. I want my mama. I want to go to my mama. Like, I know my mama been calling there. I seen the caller ID. But you would always tell me you ain't heard from my mama. You ain't talked to my mama. But I see my mama been calling. She used to take and lock the phone in her room so couldn't nobody use it. Like, if the house caught on fire, if anything went wrong with us in there, we was fucked. Because it was no way for us to make a call. The first time I seen my mama's name on the caller ID. I tried to write the number down, but I couldn't remember it. All I could remember was 316-946. I couldn't remember the last four numbers. So I took a pencil on the stairs. And I wrote the number on the wall in the stairway like in the by the door jam where only I could see it like I sat up in that stair in the stairwell and inside the house because the stairs went upstairs to the second floor and I remember sitting in there writing the number down and I was waiting because you know by the time she'd bring the phone out or whatever whenever she was at home I would try to get close enough to the caller ID or be by the caller ID or find a reason to fuck with the caller ID so that I could try to find the number. And I think she figured out what I was doing. So that's why she started keeping in her room and clearing the motherfucker. So it was never no numbers on the caller ID. So when I finally told 
that I knew that my mama was calling and that she had talked to my mama, but she would never let me talk to my mama. I didn't care no more. I wanted my mama. She looked me dead in my face and said, you know what? I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. Your mama don't want you. She ain't never wanted you. Matter of fact, fuck this school. You ain't even coming back to this motherfucker. When we get to this house, pack your shit because you getting the fuck out of my house. Okay. I packed my shit. I didn't know that my mother had already had plans or intentions to come to Chicago that summer. So now this was like April, May when I got snatched out of school. My mama didn't get there till July. Technically, I didn't finish seventh grade. But... (laughs) Oh, we just gonna call it a buck, my nigga, and say I did. (laughs) How about that? Um... I never forget it. Every motherfucking day, G. Every, okay, well, every day my uncle came in the house. He would come in there talking shit on how he would fuck me up, how he should fuck me up. I was a fucking ingrate. How dare I disrespect his mama and his daddy because my mammy didn't give a fuck about me. She left me. She didn't want me. And here it was. That I would disrespect his mother and embarrass them like I did because I want to be with this bitch. It never failed. And it was just like, I couldn't understand why everybody wanted me to hate my mama. Like, for what? That's my mama. Y'all ain't got to like her. Y'all ain't got to fuck with her. Y'all don't. I mean, but at the end of the day, gee, that's still my mama. I don't really give a fuck about nothing else. My daddy was already gone. So all I had left was my mama. So... I um. Oh well, you know it is what it is, my nigga. I ain't really worried about it. At this, at one point, you know, the first week or so, the shit hurt my feelings. It was, but you know, much like being raped, you get over it. You you adjust. You acclimate. You know what I'm saying? You gonna talk your shit. You gonna cuss me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, my nigga. Cause in all of this time, if you was gonna really do what you said, you would have already done it. I'm no longer worried about it. The shit's just words. It's a threat. I don't give a fuck. Oh, well. Yep, I said it. Nope, I don't want to be here. That became my attitude. That's how I was responding to my uncle's nips. So, July rolls up. And it's July 2nd, July 3rd, some shit like that. And my mama came through the door. I will never forget seeing my mama come through that door. And it was like, finally, this shit is over. And when she came in, my grandma was like, nah, you need to come here. I need to talk to you. And she was like, I'm, can I say hi to my baby? She was like, nah. Yeah, she can come with you because I need. She can hear it, and um, she took me and my mommy in her bedroom. She's sitting on her bed. My grandfather right there, and my mama's standing in the room, and I'm standing at the door. And she looks at my mama and tell her, um, she's going back to Kansas with you. She got to get the fuck up out my house. She can't stay here no more. And my mama looked at her and said, okay, that's fine. That's not a problem. Like, what you, what you thought? She was like, Devin, go pack your stuff. Go get your stuff ready. She said, no, nah, that motherfucker shit been ready. She been waiting on you. And I never forget how my mama just turned and looked at her kind of sideways. Like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And 
I think, I think my grandmother thought that my mother really wasn't going to take me. I think in her heart of hearts, she thought that my mother was going to somehow flake out or at the last minute was going to be like, no, I'm not going to be able to take you. She just, I remember her saying, you know, my living situation. Cause I, we, you know, we talked about it. I told you I didn't have I only, I'm in a one bedroom apartment right now, a one bedroom studio apartment right now. And my grandma was like, that's your motherfucking child. That's your problem. And she said, okay, mama, you right. She said, it's not a problem. Come on, Devin, let's go. And that's what it was. And we left. And my mama took me over to my auntie house. And um, she gave her whatever little document she needed to be able for my or copies of my original shit. Because, again, I was adopted and everything had her and my granddaddy's name on it. So she um, somehow or another, my mama got a hold to the originals and all of this shit. And she took me to Kansas. And that's when, you know, shit got a whole other level of real and funky, but. It was like, damn, G, like she for real just. That was like. It was. So I took like all my shit with me, right? So my coat got stolen. I remember my mama called my grandma and told my grandma I needed a coat. And she was like, that's your child. That's your problem. Whole time she getting a check for me, though. Ain't sent my mama nothing. Wasn't sending my mama no money. Wasn't helping my mama in no way, shape, form, or fashion. Whole time you getting a check. And my mama said, you know, I need the money to get her a coat until I get paid. And she was like, shit, you figure it out. Like house way how do you have that much disdainment towards a kid like how you got so much hatred in your heart like that that shit was mind blowing to me so I did and I got to Kansas and went straight to 8th grade they ain't never get no records or nothing to know that I didn't finish seventh grade. So I just went there and did eighth grade. And, you know, that shit was cool or whatever. Shit, summertime, nigga, spring break, I was back in Chicago. Summertime, back in Chicago. <laughs> you know, I was just there for school. Like, then it was just, it's like that just became the routine until I got to a point, I think I was like 17. When I stopped going back and I was in Kansas and just doing, you know, doing the shit that I was doing. But even in the midst of all of that, there was no protection. There was no cover. And most people thought I was like wholeheartedly thought I was gay. Like I remember my grandma asking me, was I gay? I remember my mama asking me, was I gay? And it was like, nah, I like boys. And my mama's like, yeah, you be on the phone with these good boys all day. And da-da-da. like, I didn't have no female friends. And I guess that's what it was. It's because I didn't want to be around females. But when, you know, that's got to be like, I can't even put into words psychologically how fucked up it is that you can never trust a female because the person that emotionally, spiritually, physically and financially abused you and fucked you over and abandoned you was a female and the motherfucker that sexually abused you was a man was a black man so now you can't trust black women and you can't trust black men where the fuck do you go next what do you do how do you recoup That shit literally drives you crazy. It's a ball of fucking confusion. 
you don't know which way to go. But the one thing I did know is that I was a motherfucking fighter for real. Like, I love to fight. Like, it wasn't to the effect of, like, bullying people for no reason. Like, I was the motherfucker that bullied bullies. Like, when I seen somebody picking on somebody, whoever it was, I'm on your ass. And they're extremely territorial. Nigga, fuck with anything that's mine. I'm on your ass. So, like... That's the only way I knew how to respond was aggression. Was to fight. Now, you left me the fuck alone. I'm quiet. I'm chill. I hardly talk. Or I just want to play. Be goofy. And let's watch cartoons and type shit. Like, I really wasn't on no fuck shit. Like... I wanted to just go skating and shit, like kid shit. Then even as a young adult, I would, my mouth has always been disrespectful. So half the shit that I would say would hurt people's feelings in there. They'll respond however they respond. And next thing you know, you're going to get pieced the fuck up because I'm not going to talk long. I'm not going to argue back and forth with you for no long amount of time either. My nigga, I'm going to haul off and knock the shit out your motherfucking ass and fuck what you talking about. Because all this talking ain't about shit. And especially if you ain't talking about nothing for real. You ain't trying to come with no resolutions. Or you ain't trying to square it up and be like, okay, this is this and that's that. And, you know, that's mutual, um, amicable terms. And everybody walk away even and we good. Like, I'm not apologizing if you can't apologize. Nigga, fuck you. Like, this was really my mentality. Everything was a fight. Everything. And people couldn't understand why I was so aggressive in everything. I felt like I had to fight for everything. It was like like right before I turned 30. Yeah. I said 30. When I realized I really don't have to show up for every fight. At this point in time, at 30, I had already been fucking with somebody off and on for 10 years before this. Constant domestic violence, constantly fighting. I'm talking about like put this nigga through walls, fighting all the time. My bro, St. Louis, used to just be like, damn, man, nigga, you too motherfucking big to be trying to hold you back. Nigga, you, you got some weight on you, nigga. And it was just like, my nigga, if I don't want to talk, respect that. Don't try to force me to talk. If I'm like, let me go or I'll be back, let me leave, let me breathe, let me... But when you're dealing with a person that has their own abandonment issues and they can't understand that you leaving right then to, to clear your mind, to get that space, to be able to come back to address the situation. Because all they know is the motherfucker that was supposed to be there for them left and was never there, never came back. And they hold on to that and they treat everybody with that mentality would try to hold me hostage in rooms and shit. I nigga, I'm finna fight my way the fuck up out of here. We might as well come on. Let's get it on in. Come on. We finna knuckle up in this motherfucker. And I didn't think twice about how wrong that was and how fucked up that was and that that's not what love was. And that's not what it was supposed to feel like. But there's not been one man that I thought I loved or was in love with that didn't bring some type of drama and trauma into my life. There wasn't one. So by the time that I've come to this place, I had somebody reach out to me and I had to tell them, like, I'm... I'm not gay, my nigga. I'm far from that, but I'm cool on men. In the respect, in the fact that I've come to realize to a certain degree, I have no respect for them. And I treat men in a very fucked up way because I'm able to see things because of my life. There are signs and symptoms 
that I'm able to read with no uncertainty and be able to pick up on and say, oh, okay, and then manipulate it. And that's not fair to anyone. So, you know, I had to I had to be honest and I had to be real with myself and take a step back and do this shit all over again to make sure that I'm being because it hurt people hurt people. So I'm not being honest with myself because. If I tell you I love you, there's no reason why I should want to hurt or manipulate you. I should be able to be honest with you. Now, I'm not going to say that the truth don't hurt sometimes, but it's a difference when you're telling somebody something and your intentions are pure and you're saying it from a place of love opposed to saying it from a place of malice and spite. The message is accepted differently. And I've come to learn these things on my journey. So what I've come to learn in this journey is that not having the protection of my father, not having the protection of my mother, being their only child, not having siblings to protect me my cousins were not able to protect me my grandparents did not protect me the men that I dated and was also in love with and would do anything under the sun for did not love nurture or protect me it was always my job to protect me And at times I look at myself and I look at pictures and I say, where do you find the courage to smile? Like I have a permanent indention in my forehead from frowning. That's how angry I was. And now I just sometimes just frown out of just just habit it's habitual but I no longer carry the anger and resentment in my heart that I once had there are many things and people that I've forgiven and shit that I've walked away from and let go and people that I love to death that I had to cut off and walk away from because I have to do what's best for me because if you don't love me the way I love you motherfuck you period I don't care no more I'm no longer afraid to lose people, especially not people that ain't for real is willing to fight for me. You can't tell me you love me, but you don't protect me. You can't tell me you love me, but don't look out for me. You can't tell me you love me and you're never there for me. Be it friend, be it lover, significant other, whatever title you want to give it. Because, see, I'm not about playing the little back and forth tit for tat game. I'm cool on that. That takes energy. Um, I don't I don't need that. I don't want that. I'm a bomb ass person. And I have plethora on plethora of plethora of useless facts and information because I was the geek kid that just wanted to watch the learning channel, the history channel, discovery channel back when it was shit of substance there. I know a little bit about nothing and uh, like, yeah, I know a little bit about nothing. Pick something. Let's talk about it. Some people like to say, I know a lot about a little. No, I know a little bit about a lot, but nah. I know a lot about nothing. Because it's what it all boils down to, I guess, in in my mind and in my heart. So, for those that keep questioning my journey, that keep wanting to peek behind the curtain, 
there you have it. And I hope that gives you a better understanding about what this chop is about. It's cutting all ties. It's just letting it all go. And being able to now discover who and what I am. Who was that little girl before the trauma? Before the drugs? Before the suicide? Who was that little girl? It's to find her and love her and protect her and show her there's nothing you can't do or have. And to continue to just shine, continue to be me, continue to just grow, to accept myself 100. I've already accepted the flaws. My past has taught me how to accept the fucked up shit. It's the good shit that I have trouble accepting. So, pay me what you owe. I came to collect.